If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Rose City to another edition of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. And Chris, we are fresh off the ptfc for peace match last night which was a whole heck of a lot of fun uh over at providence park lower bowl packed a lot of emotion a lot of uh, joy a lot of jokes and memes and and everything one could want out of a, a fun light-hearted charity soccer match uh what are what are your thoughts on, on that as as we get rolling here well first of all i think i need to kill just a tiny bit of fun uh, I want to clarify because there seems to be some confusion about this, uh, that Gio Savarese did not get an assist in last night's game. Uh, that <laughs> goal true. was disallowed for offside in the buildup. Uh, so, you know, everybody out there saying that Gio got an assist or anything like that, that is, that is fake news, pure fantasy. Uh, yes. Gio did not get an assist, did not record anything, uh, on the score sheet and the final score was four to three. Or four to two. I don't know. It was. It was the final score was something four to two. You were. You were right initially. It's four to three. Really? Okay. Um, four yeah. to three. It was Geo, a barn burner. Geo. Uh, Geo was very hyped to be out there, and and he put a beautiful ball in there. But Bill was way the heck offsides, and and there was an offside in the build in the build up. The AR even raised raised his flag and everything. Uh, yeah. Robocard yellow. The the AR raised his flag. Uh, they they just kept playing because it was the wild west out there at that point. Yeah, we were uh, looking at the goal like twenty on twenty. Yeah, that Period. was that was uh, it. Did not count. I tweeted that it was a goal because I was hyped and I was standing on the sideline and paid zero attention to anything technical. But um, upon review, that was indeed fake news. And yeah, uh, I apologize for my credibility uh, being completely shattered in that moment. Let this be a lesson to you. You know, I mean, it's 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 what happens when a journalist gets sort of caught up in the emotion of a moment uh, and loses <laughs> that degree of ob- objectivity. Uh, so yeah, so just just to be clear, Geo did not uh, did not have an assist. I, I want to make that clear right off the jump, so that there's <laughs> yes. no confusion in the rest of the podcast. Beyond uh, beyond the the, uh, the fun killing that we have here from from Chris Reifer, the rest of it uh, though was pretty was pretty fun. Yeah, the rest of it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, I I, I have had. Uh, no more fun at covering a sporting event uh, in my career th- than I did last night. It was really a, a joyous occasion. They raised a ton of money for an incredible cause uh, to help the people of Ukraine who are suffering uh, from the unjust invasion by Russia. And, and the, the people that showed up last night, they, they were lost in the moment. You, you saw the fans just, just enjoy it, uh, laugh, cheer. They did the wave, which I didn't really like generally but it was approving of because you know whatever it's fun it's the charity match there's a time and a place for a wave and I, that like that is an appropriate time and place for a wave yes i i will uh allow it in in the charity <laughs> match everywhere else uh, i'm not so sure but um you know it was it was a lot of fun um beyond just the soccer that was played which was great um and enjoyable and, and had some some it was enjoyable. I would not, I would yeah. not, you know, you know, put my foot down and say it was great soccer. It was oh, no, very enjoyable. No. It was very Don't fun. Don't get soccer. me wrong. The, the quality was not ideal, but <laughs> the, um, seeing it was great. It, it was, yeah, it, it was. was a lot of fun to watch. It was, it was a ton of fun to watch. Uh, it was for a really good cause and I thought they did a good job, uh, in, in a number of little things of, of sort of keeping the focus on the cause, um, while also, you know, having a great time and, and using that great time to, to sort of, uh, feed into the cause. They ended up raising over a half a million dollars, 
uh, for UNICEF's relief uh, efforts uh, in in and around Ukraine and, and, and for folks who have been affected by the war, um, which is, you know, half a million bucks is nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, and so I think full credit for that goes to uh, everybody who was involved from those who went to the game and made a donation to those. And, and, and I do want to sort of make a special shout out to a lot of folks within the club who put this together on a pretty tight timeline. This was not something that was, I mean, obviously this war has been going on only for a couple of months now. This sort of came together relatively at the last minute. That's a short timeline uh, in, in which to put together something like this. And I know there are a ton of folks within the club who put an enormous amount of time and effort and stress uh, into that. And they deserve a special shout out today because that, that doesn't come off and that doesn't come off nearly as well, uh, without their efforts. And so full credit goes to them as well. Uh, because that, that was, that was a cool thing that they did, that they did really, really freaking well, um, in a difficult timeline. Uh, and, and in the end it was, it was a lot of fun and it, it, you know, it really was sort of material benefit, uh, for a cause that a lot of people care about and that is affecting a lot of people. And so, um, and so I, I think those folks can can hold their heads high, uh, especially high today, uh, given given the result of what they produced uh, in, in a matter of just a few weeks. Right. And I think it, it has a real chance to become an annual thing, um, regardless of, of whether uh, Ukraine continues to be the cause or, or another cause comes up that um, that they can benefit through something like this. I also think that this could be a catalyst for other sports teams around the world to, to do something like this. You know, if Portland Timbers and Portland Thorns can, can come together and raise over half a million dollars for this cause, what could the Barcelona men's and women's teams do if they put a hundred thousand people in camp noon, uh, did something similar like this? I mean, this, this is something I think could be really beneficial in all sports. Uh, and Merritt Paulson, uh, said so last night. He, he, um, see, sees sports as an opportunity. He said to, um, be a, a catalyst for change and to be something that, um, in politics, uh, makes a difference, uh, in these type of global issues. Um, so, so he, he was excited that the entire front office of the Timbers and Thorns was excited. The coaches, and the players, especially the players, uh, were thrilled with how last night went. Um, one person, though, that, that stood out to me, and, and he made the um, the bulk of my article last night from the game, was Vova Kubrikov. And Vova um, is a 17-year-old member of the Timbers Academy who is from Ukraine. His family, family is from the eastern part of Ukraine. Um and they had to flee uh, their home in Lugansk uh, when the Russians invaded uh, on a smaller scale in 2014. Uh, th- they've been aggressive in the eastern part of Ukraine for a long time. And so uh, his hometown now, because of the full-scale invasion, has essentially been destroyed. His grandmother lives there um, in, in what is a, a very dangerous place. Um uh, so last night was very personal to him and, and he scored a goal near the end. I mean, you know, there was like 20 people in the area and somehow the ball falls to his feet and he fires one in the back of the net. That's, that's like 30 for 30 stuff, man. That's he, cool. he, for him to be the one that scored near the end, um, was incredible. And so, so he got himself a log slab and he's, he's such a, a log slab and, and a rose. Yes. With a rose nailed to it, which, uh, yeah. is awesome that, that they did that. Uh, Nathan Fogasa had one that had two roses nailed to it for his brace. Uh, we'll talk a little more about Nathan Bra- and his brace performance. And an assist. And an assist. Dude, dude's productive. Uh, we'll see how he Ye- Yellow team player of the game. Yellow team player of the game for sure. But blue team, uh, you got to gotta look at Hit Vova. Uh, Vova to me. Sugita. J- well, okay. Well, he and Sugita <laughs> was great too. But but I uh, just back to Vova. Um Really powerful moment that that showcases um, the impact that sports can have on on these wide ranging issues. Uh, and I have to say, he's he's such a well spoken, intelligent kid um, that I, I wish the best to him in the future uh, and and to his family as they navigate what is very um, terrifying and unprecedented for them to have to worry. Um, about the safety of loved ones um, in, in the face of, of this situation in Ukraine. 
Yeah, no question. Uh, it, a really cool moment. Uh, and, and that's, that's something. So Portland has a, a pretty good sized Ukrainian population, um, uh, of, of, uh, of Ukrainian folks living in, in, in Portland. Um, and, and so there are, there are people and that, that's, that's sort of why I think it made a lot of sense for, for the, the, the timbers and thorns to do this because it's pretty poignant. There are a lot of people in our community, um, who, for whom this is not just something on the news, uh, for whom this is not just something sad that we see as we're scrolling Twitter, um, that for whom this is very real, that, that impacts their lives. I, I know people, um, for, for whom it, it impacts their lives and their families, people with grandparents or parents or aunts or uncles or, or brothers and sisters, um, who, you know, who are not safe or who can't be in their homes, um, because of this. And, and so this isn't just something that is half a world away. This isn't just something, uh, that, that, that only affects people on, 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 on TV. Um, this is something that, that, that affects people who are, are directly in our community. Uh, and that's why I, th- I think it was especially cool, uh, that the, t- that the Timbers and Thorns came together to do this, came together. It's one club. Uh, <laughs> uh, that the Timbers and Thorns, uh, did this, uh, and that it was so successful. And, and yeah, I, 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 and the, the number of, of sort of just touch points that, that reminded folks of that last night from the national anthem to the referee to, um, to, to, to some of the signs, uh, in the North end, all of those things that the club did and that other people did, um, to, to sort of ground it in the cause. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're great. Absolutely. It was a really special night. Um, shifting gears a bit to the, uh, soccer that, that, uh, is not co-ed and, and counts for, uh, something. Let's we can't, say. we can't just talk about, uh, Sugita just like owning fools all night. <laughs> she was great. Okay. Before we shift gears, <laughs> she is, we, we talked a little bit about this off air. She, um, she just has one speed and, and that's, you know, pure efficiency, pure, you know, focus. I mean, she, she is, she looked exactly like she has all season for the thorns out there. Um, and, and, um, you, you can heap praise on her, uh, additionally because she, she was, uh, really strong for, for team blue in the midfield and, uh, showcased why she's so important for the thorns. To be clear, yellow team jumped out to that, to that lead against the run of play. And it was against the run of play because the blue team absolutely dominated central midfield, uh, between, between Sugita and, and, and Paredes. The two of them, uh, just bossed that game, uh, for the first half in, 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 in which they were playing. And Sugita, I thought was, was the clear star, uh, as between them. I, I, I tend to think that my early impression is that she is a soccer playing machine. Uh, and when you turn her on, she plays exceptionally good soccer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and, and that, that is what she does. Uh, and so if you flip the soccer switch, uh, she's just going to go out and play exceptionally good soccer. Uh, I, I think, uh, referencing some of the un- less fun things, uh, the Lawrence really, really missed her <laughs> over the weekend. Um, and, uh, and she was not missed last night. She very much, uh, featured very prominently. Uh, and I thought that was, I thought that was a lot of fun. I thought so too. I thought she was great. And, and, um, that is a perfect segue to to what we were going to transition to, which uh, is is the Thorns uh, taking an L uh, against Angel City FC. Yeah, uh, if you're per- here, if you're here listening to this podcast for for the vibes, um, now might be a good time to step out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're uh, the the vibes are are not terribly good when it comes to to a result like that for the Thorns. Um, it, it's less severe and less you know bad vibes because it is a preseason tournament uh and you know they cared about it but also them being eliminated from it is not the worst thing in the world especially considering there are a number of players on the team who are navigating covid right now uh covid protocols i should say specifically since we don't know uh who has tested positive who's a close contact everything else but um a number of the players, I should say, for, who were in those protocols were at the game last were night. Were there. Sophia Smith, although she didn't play, yeah. she was there. Um, yeah. Sugita obviously played. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Reen Wilkinson, who obviously didn't travel with the team last weekend, uh, she was also there, albeit wearing a mask. And so, you know, I mean, it, 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 that was good news. I mean, if you want sort of good, tangible soccer news from from last night, it was nice to see those folks because it it bodes well for their availability uh, this upcoming weekend of the home opener for the regular season against Kansas city. 
Yes. And uh, in advance of that opener, you know, they, they took a tough loss to, to Angel City 1-0. But being eliminated from the Challenge Cup, yes, it, it sucks uh, for them because they wanted to defend their title in that tournament. Yes, it was a, a poor performance despite the, the lack of personnel. Um, not not a real serious amount of urgency, uh, it seemed, throughout the match. Um, so it was tough. Um, they, they obviously didn't throw the game. They didn't, you know, put it, put it at 50% and just coast, uh, with the hopes that they get a little extra time off. They wanted to win. It was just a matter of a poor performance. And so, you know, without their coach, without a number of key players, um, tough loss. But I, I think that what we saw from the Thorns at their best in the Challenge Cup, is something that should have fans extremely excited about the regular season. You know, when you're talking about a team that once it gets fully healthy, once Becky Sauerbrunn is back, which could be in the next few weeks, uh, once Crystal Dunn is back after she gives birth to a, her healthy baby um, and and works her way back into form, um, th- this is a dangerous team. And, and they have added Janine Becky into the fold, and she's still finding her way, but um, it's looking like, she will start up top with any combination of um, Sophia Smith, Morgan Weaver, and Christine Sinclair, depending on the night, um, which is really exciting because I almost got Morgan Weaver and and her confused a, a few times. They both have the ponytail, and um, they both really play similar games too. You know, very pacey, very yeah. aggressive. Um, which I think, which I think is a good fit uh, for Sophia Smith, who I think is you know at this point and the undisputed uncontested star uh up top uh, at least yep. in the in the attacking line yeah she's great um and, and she honestly she's a young player but i think she's somebody that that could make a run for nwsl mvp if she has an incredible season which she very well could we, we saw flashes of brilliance really from her in, in the challenge cup uh, so i'm excited to watch her um and overall i think that tactically Reen Wilkinson is very smart. She's she's willing to uh, not only adjust their formations to to personnel, but um, you know move people around into spaces where they may not might not have been before, um, but they they seem to fit well. Uh, so so this is a pretty balanced, talented Thorns team that you know you look at them top to bottom. It, it's hard to find any major glaring issues, uh, d- despite the fact that. You know that performance, while they were shorthanded against uh, Angel City FC, was not a was not a great one. Yeah, and for you know, for me, the game against Angel City is is almost a you know throw the tape in the trash kind of deal. Um, they were so shorthanded uh, that was, I mean, you know, their their XG stats given game by game XG stats are are you know to be used primarily for entertainment purposes and not for investment. Certainly. Um, but their 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 XG stats were really. I think they had like something like zero point four XG for the game, um, despite like con, you know having a decent amount of the ball, uh, and 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 you know having uh, certainly opportunities to put attacks together. They just didn't. They just they never frankly looked particularly close to being able to score, um, or or like they were a consistent threat. Um, and you know I mean they had their coach and several of their best players uh, out because of COVID protocols, uh, as you've noted, a couple other out for, for other reasons, injury and, and, and the like. Um, and so, you know, I mean, uh, all of that, I think sort of just piles onto it being, uh, it being, you know, one that with that, that you don't get too worried about. Um, it, it, it's not like I, I felt like they didn't compete. I think they did compete. Um, you know, that frankly is what you would be worried about that if the, if the team went down and, and sort of just mailed it in and said, not our day. Uh, and, and we're thinking about going to, um, uh, you know, going to in and out afterwards. I don't think that was, that was the situation at all. I just think they really lacked a lot of the personnel that they need in order to be, uh, a, a, a dangerous, um, attacking team. Um, uh, and so sometimes it's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I, I don't think it's concerning. I'm, I'm a bit more ambivalent about whether, you know, about moving on in the, in the challenge cup. I think it would have been nice if they could have just because I, I, I like getting, especially teams and transition periods in competitive games. Uh, and I think a, a challenge cup semifinal would have been that, um, uh, 
and, and, and getting those experiences. But your point is very well taken. I mean, this is, this is a team that still has some figuring out to do that still is very much in, in, in a period of transition. And I think Reen Wilkinson has, has certainly, uh, tried a few things, uh, in, in, in preseason. Um, some of them have worked really well. Some of them looked good at times and bad at times. Uh, but there's still some figuring out to do in terms of how they're going to shape up. Uh, what their, especially what their combination up top is going to be. I think that's, that, that's very much an open question. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think the defense, especially with, with Sauerbrunn still out, uh, hopefully her, her, her return is going to be coming soon, as you noted. Um, and I, I think that's, uh, still a little bit in flux. And so not having an extra game or two, uh, in this early season window that they have to navigate, especially an extra competitive game or two. Uh, that they have to navigate, uh, and, and the rotation that comes with that and the way that it affects training. Uh, that's a silver lining. I, I, I so I, I certainly grant you that. I think that point is very well taken still. Um, uh, it's, you know, y- you don't get that many opportunities to get into knockout style games. Um, and so every time you can, you want to be in that situation. Uh, you want to, you want to have that opportunity because, you know, the hope is, uh, that you're going to be in that kind of situation down the road for something that does mean more. And so, you know, I, I think it's a, a, a little bit of a bummer, uh, not to get through. Uh, but I think the reasons for it are, are pretty obvious and apparent. And, you know, short of getting, uh, the, a very timbersy zero zero draw, uh, it looked like it probably just wasn't going to happen, uh, at LA over the weekend. Yeah. Um, that, that's a, a, yet another perfect segue from, from Mr. Chris Reifer. Uh, this guy, this guy just, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful full circle the way that he talks, you know, it, 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 it gets, sometimes it's a few circles. Yeah. Sometimes it's a few circles. You got to do a couple laps before you get to the end. Loop and loop and loop and then you get to the end and you're like, Oh, okay. There's a point. Um, so, uh, moving into, into that, uh, zero, zero discussion, the, the timbers discussion, um, now one so of the, I, I, th- I think I, I will say, I think the vibes remained okay through that Thorn segment. Um, yeah, if, the vibes but, were but fine. Again, viewer discretion is advised. If you're here for the vibes, you know, no, we will not be offended. Yeah, the, the <laughs> if vi- you step away. The vibes. I mean, we want you to listen to the entire podcast because we and we the folks at the Oregonian. Yes, yes. <laughs> we and the and the folks at the Oregonian work very hard to to produce this uh stellar highly professional podcast but at the same time uh the vibes are about to get a lot worse because the the timbers uh have drawn two consecutive games zero zero on the verge of tying an mls record three games if really they, good if they opportunity do it. to tie it to going Which to is colorado this, right now yeah. is like the, if you want a zero zero this is this is looking like a good chance. There's a real shot they do it, and uh, that and is Colorado's record from 2015. Mike Donovan got to give him credit on on the stat. I think he was the first out there that I saw with it. Dang, yeah that that is uh, <laughs> to to be able to to tie a dubious record like that against a team um, that that had it uh, would would be a tough situation for the Timbers to be in. Uh, they should have beaten RSL. Let's, let's get that out of the way from the jump. Um, yeah, <laughs> there are, there are, uh, much worse teams, including the team they most recently played this year, uh, that have beat RSL, uh, that have been able to score one goal, literally oh, one or goal six. or six <laughs> in the case of, uh, MLS Cup champion <laughs> NYCFC. Um, so, so that, was highly disappointing in in my view. Uh, Geo had a little more rosy of a view of it. He said, "You know, we score a goal, we score two goals, then we're talking about a game we dominated." Maybe uh, that's, I, that's true. True, but they didn't. So in, in much the way, in much the same way uh, as you know, on a rainy day, if it just weren't raining and the sun were out, the weather would be better. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree with that. Yes. No. If if only the the water didn't fall from the sky, it wouldn't have been raining. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> if only. If only. It reminds me um, of a scene in the West Wing where uh West Wing references on this podcast are are very much a you know a, a tradition as well. Uh, where you know uh, Leah McGarry, the president's chief of staff, is really excited about the missile defense test, and he reports to the president that that the missile defense test it meet nine out of ten criteria. Um, the 10th criteria, uh, criterion, of course, being that it like hit the target. Uh, and the president's like, 
ah, if only <laughs> that 10th criterion, like that's just, the, you know, that's just the one. I, I feel like that's kind of a, you know, a, 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 an apt, an apt comparison to the Timbers uh, performance over the weekend. Yeah. You know, 90% is not an A minus in this situation. <laughs> no. It's, it's kind of like it's the C minus if, if, if that, frankly, because this was not a good RSL team, they, they really couldn't put anything together, um, against the Timbers and, um, you know, they, they were admirably solid defensively, but Portland has to not only create more chances, but finish them. I mean, the whole game long, um, it, it was just the same story that we've been dealing with for, for several weeks, uh, with the exception of that Vancouver game. Um, which was the flash of what they needed in terms of finishing their chances. Yep. Um, and that was against a dang good uh, defensive team in Vancouver. So, you know, bottle that. It up. was, although, you know, as we talked about with that game, it was a, a Vancouver team that, that I think was a bit more naive tactically uh, than, than uh, RSL was. I mean, look, yeah, RSL, give RSL the, credit. Yeah. Give RSL credit. Also, they, ca- they came to the, in this game, just looking to build a bunker, right? They had 10 behind the ball. They, they, they really didn't have any ambitions. Uh, I, you know, it wasn't quite as extreme as their, uh, as their performance in the Western conference. What was it? Semifinal um, in Seattle last year. Maybe it was, it was some round of the playoffs in the first round. Uh, at Seattle last year, it wasn't quite as extreme as, as that performance in which they advanced on penalties after taking zero shots, but it was like only a couple degrees less extreme. <laughs> than that. Uh, they, they, they were going to bunker, uh, and they built a bunker. And at times it felt like the Timbers were trying to scratch through that bunker and to break down that bunker with a toothpick. Um, they weren't close to it. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was, it was a slow kind of depressing march to a zero, zero draw. Yeah, um, those are tough ones to cover too. Not not to be the story here, but but it, when go you're, write five hundred words about that, right? Go go write. Well, I can do it, but it's not terribly fun or easy. <laughs> you know, the the narrative at, at least was there um, to where you know the the Timbers are still not finishing their chances. So that 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 is kind of. Um, part of what can build a story out for the, from a game like that. But beyond that, it's just like, you're just waiting to die almost, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, and, and the frustrating thing about it is that, you know, a lot of the problems are just what we've been talking about now for a few weeks. It's not like it's new ground. Um, the Timbers are trying to figure out what they're going to do up top. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out whether they're better off playing with Yaroslav Nishgoda as a striker or with no striker at all, which doesn't, you know, reflects super well on Nishigoda's performances. But no. again, that's not new news. Uh, and, uh, you know, he may have been carrying a little bit of a knock coming into this one, but the fact that he didn't start uh, when there are literally no other options who are healthy and available and in form is significant. <laughs> I, guess I would say so. Way. No, it, it, you're definitely right. And um, that May 4th deadline to to add somebody on the transfer market is fast approaching. Um, I, I have not heard additional updates, uh, from the club about, um, their signing of a new striker, but I, I know that, um, on the team's podcast, Gavin Wilkinson followed up his interview with us, uh, in saying that the progress they had made on that front took a step back. Um, what that means, whether they're still in negotiations with, uh, the young individual that they were going to slot into the U22, I'm not sure at this point. I, I will obviously continue to work my sources and uh, keep folks updated on that front as the deadline approaches. Uh, but it's very important um, that they they assign somebody and fill that slot with a high-quality, informed player that uh, can either back up Nishkota or full-out take his job from him while they wait for Felipe Mora. Because additionally, for those who um, did not see on, on Twitter and elsewhere – uh, Geo dropped kind of a, a news bomb at the post game presser that Felipe Mora is probably not going to be back until July, uh, which is much, much longer than their initial timeline. I mean, they were talking yeah. about, you know, six weeks initially for him to recover from a minor arthroscopic procedure. Now 
his rehab is looking like it's stretching months and months into to the late summer, which is terrifying if you look at the situation they're in uh, from an attacking perspective. So yeah, that's half the season. Yeah, that's that's literally half the season without your starting striker, and so they need to sign somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. These next six days are going to be huge uh, in terms of whether they can get uh, a deal and a good deal across the line. It, it's it's still – I mean, it, look, it's not an ideal circumstance regardless, right? Because with these U-22 signings, and then the Timbers have been very clear about how they want to integrate these U-22 signings with the way they've integrated Santiago Moreno, with the way they've uh, integrated David Ayala, they, they don't want to be putting sort of day one starting expectations on them um, right at the outset. And so, you know, the, the Timbers have a day one right now need at number nine. Uh, and they're going to have that need for the next couple months. Uh, you know, once Mora does get back and, 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 and fit and inform, maybe that's a little bit less emergent. And it's reasonable to ask whether the Timbers should be, you know, making a big move sort of for those couple months. Um, but it's, it's, it's a huge need. And, you know, a, a slow start is a slow start until it's not a start anymore. And, and, and it becomes the whole first half of the season. Uh, and, and do the Timbers think they can find a way to get a decent number of points, you know, with, with who they currently have in those positions? We've seen Gio Savarese solve problems before. He's a good problem solving coach. Um, he, he seems to do it pretty consistently, but sometimes it takes a bit. Um, uh, and, and you can only solve problems to so much of a point to when when you lack the personnel there you can only solve problems for which there are a solution <laughs> yeah. uh and and you know it, it, it's perfectly reasonable to ask whether there's a solution to this on the roster right now um now you know i i think there is another side to that argument which is that yaroslav nishkota has scored goals for the team in the past um and has gotten that job done never as sort of a full-time starter uh and and i think you know that's an important point but he he's gotten that job done in the past. He's he's scored a decent number of goals, and if he can start to do that again, uh, then this becomes much less of an issue, right? Oh, uh, and 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 you can see sort of a path forward to to getting more uh, back into the team. But look, there's a I think a pretty good argument that that his goal scoring rate in the past is what was unsustainable, uh, and that this is kind of a regression to the mean that we're seeing now. And in the absence of doing some of those other things that we've seen other strikers with the Timbers do, unless he's scoring goals like he used to, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a tough road to hope. It's going to be an interesting six days. Uh, if yeah. I think they, they, uh, probably feel a lot of pressure to get a deal done. I think it's understandable that they feel pressure to get that, uh, that deal done. Um, uh, and if they don't, I think that makes it a really nervous couple months, uh, given, given Gio's comments about, about Mora. Yes, and and I think that uh, the failure to to sign someone who can be an immediate contributor to the first team, uh, I I think that if that happens, if they are unsuccessful, it will lead to um, the integration of one or more young players through through the system uh, to see what they've got. You know, trial by fire for them. Uh, you, you look at a, a guy like Tega Ikoba. Uh, he can he participated in last night's. Um, charity match and uh he's got is, some t2 run as well scored the winning penalty t2 run yeah the um, winning the yes. extra point the extra point he, yes. he kicked the extra point <laughs> yeah he kicked the extra point basically in that game uh but <laughs> but he's worked his way back um from an internal issue that he had dealt with uh early in the season uh, otherwise he, he may have already seen some minutes for the first team um you know just to to see what he's got backing up nishkota um, you look also at a guy like Nathan Fogasa, who um, two goals and an assist in a charity match. Well, it was a charity match with minimal defense being played. Uh, you know, he, he showed showed some flashes and he was obviously very good for San Antonio in the USL last yeah, year. 13 goals, four assists in, in USL championship last year for a pretty darn good uh, San Antonio team. Yes. Uh, so, so certainly comes in. I mean, you know, he strikes me as the kind of guy who comes in sort of like Marvin Loria did when he came into T2, where, you know, the idea is he's signed to T2, but if he performs like we think he can, uh, he, he may be the kind of guy that they, that they look to, to bring into the first team. Um, uh, you know, and it's interesting. Uh, to, it'll be interesting to see if there is a way to do that in this window because, you know, if they, if they can't, it's harder to loan up. 
under the rules than it is to loan down, right? It's easy to loan down on a game-by-game basis. We see the tweets uh, before every T2 game. It's harder to loan up, and it's especially harder to loan up when you're outside of a transfer window. Uh, they would The Timbers would basically need to be in an extreme hardship kind of situation in order to do it. If they can't get that deal done, do the Timbers look for a way to to get Fogasa on the roster? I don't know. Yeah, you know, it could. Is there a way? I don't know. Is there? Don't don't ask me. And and frankly, don't ask most MLS executives because nobody nobody anywhere knows the rules about anything. Yeah, Gavin Wilkinson even joked about that with me. Like, you know, sometimes he forgets the rules and he prides himself in being somebody who, um, you know, knows knows the rules of signing players very well. And and I want to say specifically signing players very well there <laughs> um but but moving on from from what uh was close to a gaff by me there um the, the nice timbers save. do yeah that was a good, nice save call call me Ivicic because uh, that was uh <laughs> very nearly a loss of my clean sheet who by um, the way has had has it had a nice few games yeah let's, talk, games let's from, talk about him Ivicic, real quick. If yeah, you, you want to raise he, the vibes yeah. a little bit yeah he, he he's been good you know you, you you said you're not quite ready to call him a good mls goalkeeper but i think that he has shown his his quality over the last um several matches really um and, and the last two in particular have been strong um because you know imagine the horror of them having lost both of those matches yeah. you know i mean we we would be in a much darker place in terms of this podcast discussion <laughs> um than than we are right now if, if they had lost both of those games and they'd be they'd be way down in the standings too um you know it, it it's better to be draw city usa than than, than lost, lost city, city. yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah oh, we'll, we'll especially if you can kick an extra point afterwards like t2 uh yes, exactly. and and they also have 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 had two extra point draws uh in a row now Oh, God, that is so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and look, I, I will, I'll say this. I find some of the, the, the MLS next pro rules really dumb, but I actually, I think it's a good use of, of that second division, right? Where you're like, Hey, we're going to try some things, uh, and, 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 and see how they work because uh, on, on the fringes, MLS has done a good job of, of, you know, of employing some, some, kind of little techniques and rules on the side that have then sort of taken on a larger role in international soccer. Uh, it's as down as stupid as remember the MLS was sort of like the proving ground for the stupid magic spray stuff uh, that referees use. Uh, <laughs> and and now that's, that's standard. Um, MLS was certainly on the, on the front end of, of uh, video assistant referee uh, VAR. And, and now that has become uh, a much bigger part of the international game and so you know the 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 using mls next pro as sort of a testing ground for the for those kinds of things i think is positive even if this one i find pretty dumb didn't they used to have shootouts too in, in old mls where, oh, man. where they were the so good that the by entire, the way that one yeah. I, like they should absolutely bring that into mls next pro uh the sort of like 35 yard run up uh penalty shootout like make the extra point that uh, as like an alternative way to do penalties, uh, and uh, and and that I can be on board with. The extra point I find dumb, um, yeah. but that I can be on on board with. Uh, but yeah, I you know I I, I think Ivacic back to our <laughs> the the original subject of this conversation. Yeah. Uh, he's he from a shot stopping perspective, he's had a few really good games in a row. Um, uh, and and that certainly seems to be his strength as a goalkeeper. There's still some things with dealing with crosses and some distribution stuff that I think he has that are uh in 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 corporate speak areas of opportunity uh for him. Um <laughs> but but from a shot stopping perspective, which is an important skill obviously for goalkeepers, I think he's had a really f- good few games in a row. Uh and if this is what we can expect from from Ivacic sort of on a full-time basis in that regard, then I do think he's he's uh going to at least be a a solid uh, MLS goalkeeper and maybe that area of opportunity for the roster as a whole um, isn't quite as much of a concern as we thought it was coming into the season. Uh, so uh, so his stock has certainly gone up uh, over the course of the last few games. Uh, I don't think there are a ton of other players for whom you can say the same. Uh, so 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 credit to Alias, uh, who was spotted 
uh, mid game last night eating a piece of pizza um, <laughs> on the bench after he came off. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, good for him. I hope he enjoyed the pizza as well because, uh, it's a well deserved, uh, slice of pie after a, a good few games. Yeah. He has definitely played well and, uh, it was fun to, to see the personalities of people like him at, at that, uh, PTFC for peace match and, and, you know, see, clips of, of them being interviewed uh, i didn't watch obviously since i was there the the full broadcast but uh, from what i heard it was a lot of fun to um to showcase the personalities of those individuals uh, and before we move to the to the hot takes section to be named later <laughs> which um exactly which you know pe- people have been clamoring for i hear from our listeners all the time that we need more hot takes from from you too and so i I, I will absolutely uh abide by that um, got to give a shout out to Crystal Dunn. She is like almost, you know, giving birth to that baby at this point. The deadline is coming soon, um, for the transfer window for the Timbers, but also the, the baby windows on, on the, on the horizon for Crystal. Uh, she worked on the broadcast last night and was terrific. I, yeah, I watched clips don't of her. Hurry. <laughs> Yeah, no, Don't no rush into that career. <laughs> it, yeah, let's 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 not call it a deadline. Let's call it more of a, a um a target date. Yeah, uh, for for the young youngster who we're very excited to meet a uh, future soccer star. I'm sure, given um, the baby's parentage, but she she was terrific on the broadcast last night. Both her and Karina LeBlanc, who was kind of in the sideline reporter role, uh, were tremendous. Uh, both of them totally built for TV, um, given a guy like Jake Zivin a run for his money in terms of, you know, personality and professionalism. So shout out to both of them for, for their excellent work last night. I also thought Crystal's fits were on point, uh, last night. I thought that Big the, time. uh, I thought the, the sweater, uh, was pretty on point, uh, but I, I, I agree. She should not hurry into that career because I think she's got good soccer, uh, soccer left to play, but that looks like it could be, it could very much be a potential career if she wants it. Somebody like Crystal, I think has many opportunities. Um, and so that, that is, that is not a concern. But if that, if that's one that she's interested in, uh, I think, uh, it would be great. Yeah. Cause, you know, although I was at the game, so I didn't get to experience the broadcast firsthand, uh, the, the clips and the highlights that I've seen are, are a lot of fun. Hey, this is Ryan. You are listening to Soccer Made in Portland. We will be right back after a quick break. Moving from from the fun stuff, the not so fun stuff, to the spicy stuff, uh, we, we've got uh, some hot takes uh, this week to to dish out. Uh, we will uh, begin with mine, which is a, a little less serious uh, of a subject, and and that is, um, I believe that you know we we go back to this discussion about the the striker position. I think before the year is over, and whether this is an exciting thing for timbers fans or a terrifying thing who knows we'll see but i think that nathan fogasa has a real chance of of integrating himself into um some form of backup role uh or or getting some run with the first team because um you know tege koba is is probably ahead of him in that regard having earned a little more um time with the franchise and and um they've integrated him into the first team before. Um, I think that Fogasa uh, is the type of guy that could be a diamond in the rough type of person for, for the franchise who could very well make that jump quicker than people expected. So, so that's my, um, you know, I use terms like very well and could, you know, in my hot takes, I, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so what I, you're saying is he's the answer. Yes, sure. Why not? Okay. Yeah, he, okay. he's that's he's, your hot take that that yeah, Nathan is the answer. Nathan is the answer. Uh, praise to Nathan. All hail Nathan. There you go. If by the way he he does get to the first team, or like if somebody just wants to go out to Hillsborough uh, to to watch T two sometime, you should absolutely take and make like a Nathan's hot dog two stick, uh, hot dog <laughs> two stick because that's it's just appropriate. It's it's, it's just right. It's um, very easy. You know, the, 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 it's interesting because the way they set up MLS Next Pro, there is not a salary cap. So we really know next to nothing uh, about what he came into T2 for. We know it's on a full transfer from his club in Brazil. Last year, he was on loan at San Antonio. Um, 
so presumably there was some sort of a transfer fee paid because, you know, I mean, he's a viable, he's a, he's a player for, you know, that I don't know if there were a ton of MLS teams clamoring for him, but he's a player who, who will command some degree of a fee because he's looks pretty good and, 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 and teams are interested in him. Um, but how that translates to his ability to move up to the first team roster is a total black box. Uh, and that's not something that's been well spelled out in terms of how the MLS next pro rules are operating. Um, and so I don't, I, I think we don't know. Uh, I think it's possible, uh, that, that, that he has some ability to move up to the first team and, and maybe he can be the answer. I think there's a possibility though that he, that they really don't have that, that ability to bring him up at least maybe until the summer transfer window or something like that, uh, within the strictures of the MLS salary cap, which is much more structured, uh, than, than MLS next pro. You know, I, I, I agree that what we've seen from him in a, a charity match, LOL, uh, and B, a <laughs> T2 game, which is less of an LOL, but he looked good in that T2 game. Uh, what we've seen from him looks, it looks encouraging. Uh, and, and he looks like the kind of guy who could absolutely tear up MLS next pro, uh, and, and, and could, could be a guy who can range up to the MLS level. Uh, the so so you know i i w- from that perspective i don't think you're wrong uh in terms of you're dubbing him uh the answer or at least i don't think you're you're <laughs> insane for dubbing him the answer um but uh but but the the question is whether he can be the answer at least in the short term and and i i have no idea maybe maybe we should ask somebody i don't know yeah i i think maybe i i could you know you know do my job once yeah, or, literally do your job. Right? Literally just do my job <laughs> and talk to somebody uh, in the Timbers front office or in the coaching staff about what they they think about him. And you know what? I'm going to do that. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to write a story. Here, here's your. I'm, I'm here's glad your I could passive. I'm air. glad I yeah. could passive aggressively uh, <laughs> rake you over the coals. <laughs> see, see, th- this is this is how I've done my job the whole time, folks. You're, you're getting an in, uh, inside look here. Uh, Chris Reifer is really just pulling the puppet strings. I, I'm nothing but a, a mere, <laughs> you know, you know, puppet of, of of the hardcore behind the scenes Timbers fans who uh, just just want uh, want certain stories done, and and this is how it happens. You're you're hearing it live. To be clear, and to mix me- mix our metaphors. Uh, I am not playing three dimensional chess. I am definitely eating the pieces. Uh, this is, <laughs> there is no mastermind here, uh, by any means, as longtime listeners of this podcast know extremely well. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Um, okay. Uh, so I'm going to hit a slightly more serious subject, but it's one that I, I was thinking about, uh, in light of last night. Um, albeit in sort of a roundabout way. I, I, you know, it's obviously been a, a difficult six or so months, seven months now. Um, for the club, uh, in, in terms of the, the, the reporting and the various investigations, um, and, and all of those things sort of taking up a lot of, uh, a lot of sort of, I think the club's both energy and, and, and really affecting the way the club has, has presented itself publicly, um, and at times not presented itself publicly. Uh, I think last night was a good example of even with all of that happening, there are still opportunities for the club to lead on issues, um, that are important to to our community more broadly to the soccer community um and 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 to the athletics community and so i, I was sort of thinking about this in, in in chatting with a friend and uh and and over the course of of last night i think another area of of opportunity to use my corporate speak again um for the for the for the thorns and timbers to to come out and lead is uh with respect to a lot of the the really in my view unfortunate tragic sad disgusting uh, legislation about trans kids participation in athletics. I think this is, you know, we are, we are told by folks advocating for these things um, that, you know, I will not be, I will not be bashful about my views. I think are wrongheaded, mean spirited um, and, and legislative bullying um, of, of transgender children. Uh, but the, the reason that we're given for the necessity, the supposed necessity of these things is maintaining competitive fairness in women's sports and girl sports. This is where I think the, the thorns in particular have an opportunity to lead because this club knows a thing or two about women's sports and girl sports. It's, it's involved deeply in both, right? Uh, it has an Academy. Uh, it, it is, it is one of the biggest, uh, 
women's sports teams in the world. Just period. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that's not an overstatement. It literally is. Um, and, and so I think they sit in a good position to be able to say, Hey, wait a minute. We know a thing or two about women's sports. We know a thing or two about girls sports. We are intimately familiar with a lot of the challenges, um, facing women's sports. And there are a lot of very real challenges, uh, facing women's sports. Guess what isn't one of them? Competitive fairness with driven by the, you know, or competitive unfairness driven by the participation of transgender kids. Uh, in, in girl sports, that's not a challenge. So, like, don't use that as your fig leaf, because that's 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 not a thing. And my view on on on, on the bills, and and I think this is a, a pretty widely shared view uh, on these these really unfortunate bills, is that they are just prejudice, and 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 the ostensible justification we're given for them just holds no water whatsoever. Uh, and at the end of the day, they're just another form of bullying uh, children who who face exactly that in so many parts of their lives. In my view, I think equality of access to sport is an existential value for this club, right? The PTSC would be a very different club if they didn't believe in that. And it's, you know, men have obviously dominated the sort of professional sporting universe for a long time. And, you know, it is, it goes to the core of the Thorns existence that that isn't how the world should be. And I think that exact same rationale, that exact same value, uh, is, is critical to saying, no, all kids get to play. Period. And, 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 you know, don't try to use us. Don't try to use what we do as a justification for excluding kids from sport. And uh, so, you know, I, that, that, that is, those are a lot of my views on the subject. And that's not to say that, that I think the Timbers and Thorns need to, you know, come out and, and, and mirror my views because I don't think that. But I do think this is an area where people are using women's athletics and girls athletics in bad faith to do something bad. Uh, and, and it's an opportunity for, for some, you know, an institution as important as the Thorns, um, uh, to come out and say, no, don't, don't use us. Don't use us as your, as your rationale for this. Um, don't blame us because this isn't us. We're not you. You're doing your thing. And, and for us, you know, are the, 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 the people in our, in our community who are transgender, they matter to us. Um, and we see them and we love them. Um, and, and we are not the reason why, why you are discriminating against them. So I, I, I think, I think this is, you know, uh, the thorns and the timbers can still lead. They can still have issues where where they are an important and prominent community presence, uh, even with all of the all of the difficult and troublesome things that have been going on. Uh, and I think this is an area where they can do it. I agree. I, you know, I, I think that you know, just speaking personally, that this type of legislation is bigotry wrapped in this false idea of being this protective savior of, of children, when in reality you're bullying children. Uh, and, and it's, it's horrific. Uh, and, and uh, I, I think that Thorns and Timbers fans in particular, uh, particularly the, the Rose City Riveters have been consistent in their outspoken support for transgender youth uh, and for the LGBTQ plus community broadly um, in the past. And they continue to be, um, you know, th- there's a sign at every single Thorns game hanging from the Riveters that says, let trans kids play. Multiple usually. signs, usually. And, and you know, you see uh, rainbow flags, trans flags, other inclusionary symbols throughout the, the stadium. And it's one of, I think, the more beautiful things about Portland generally, but also the, the way that politics and sports are, are so deeply interwoven for, for Timbers and Thorns fans and something that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I think needs to be appreciated Um about the fandoms here uh, is their awareness of these social issues and their understanding that soccer is a platform for, for positive social change and for inclusion uh, at all levels. So I agree with you. I, I think that um, it's very important that the franchise, uh, however it can, uh, whether as, as joint statements or if it's just the thorns speaking out, just the timbers, whatever, um, I, I think that it, it should continue to to speak out on these issues and invest in these initiatives locally. 
uh, to put its money where its mouth is on a number of fronts. You know, the, the issues of um, that they have dealt with off the field uh, in terms of addressing um, issues of, of domestic violence and, and sexual coercion in the cases of Paul Riley and Andy Polo. Uh, their response to those particular issues is important and needs to continue to be one of the primary focuses in order to showcase that they do care uh, and that they are trying to be better uh, in how they handle those issues. But they are not the only issues to to be spoken of here. Um, and and you, you see it as an example last night. You, you touched on it. Um, their ability to put together such an outstanding, large-scale event like that and raise an unbelievable amount of money, well over half a million dollars for Ukraine, um, is tremendous. And it showcases the power that they have, uh, not only in the, their community, but throughout the country and globally to raise awareness for these issues. You know, pe- people can ignore and, and look the other way at soccer in the United States and, you know, say, oh, MLS isn't all that popular or NWSL isn't all that popular. But at the end of the day, it's still a platform and is is still wide reaching, particularly in our community. Um, you know, Soccer City USA is not just a a fun little nickname. People in this town care deeply about the Timbers and Thorns, uh, and for them to involve themselves in issues like this, I think is a net positive. No matter how you look at it, you don't risk uh, losing money if that was your consideration. If anything, it it makes business better if if you're the timbers and thorns organization to speak out on these issues and continue to be uh voices for change in the community and to their credit they've they've led on some of these things in the past uh with respect to marriage equality the timbers and thorns were out front uh in in sort of putting a flag down as as a club and saying this is a value for our club this is who we are and 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 we support marriage equality um having community institutions do that is is Part of why marriage equality just is, is reality now. Um, and, and that's good and that's important. It's not, it's not the end of the conversation. Uh, it's not the end of those sorts of efforts. Uh, there, there is lots of progress still to make as we're talking about now. Uh, but it's important. And, and so, you know, I, I, th- I think there is a tradition of this club doing that. And I think that's a tradition that they should not sort of seed, uh, because, because there are other important issues that they, that they've got to deal with. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is not to say that they're bad for, for not having done this to date. Not at all. Um, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it, there, there, there are many, uh, organizations. There are many, uh, folks who have not spoken out on, on, on these kinds of things. And there is always a risk of, of, of blowback from, from various, various perspectives, uh, on that. So, you know, it, it's, it's not to say that, that they have done something terrible because they haven't, uh, been, been a voice on this to date. It's just to say, uh, that this is, uh, in my view, at least an opportunity for them. And, and I think an area where, where their voice could be valuable, um, and could be impactful. Absolutely. I appreciate your perspective on that, Chris, and, uh, think it's an important issue that we will continue to talk about on, on this podcast uh, in the future and along with many other um, of the off field uh, concerns and, and issues that, that impact the community in Portland, because, you know, th- this soccer community is made up of, of people of a whole bunch of backgrounds and, and we appreciate and care for those people and, and thank them for uh, listening to us on, on a regular basis. It's um, one of the coolest things about the community. And it it's is one of the things that gives the timbers and thorns in particular, sort of genuine community importance. Um, the, 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 the cool, really the, the cool community that it has, that it has and the cool community that follows it, that includes people who have, who have been excluded a lot. Um, and so I think, you know, lean into that and embrace it. Absolutely. You, you should, you know, Portland gets this bad rap in national media for, for many insidious and, and frankly, ridiculous reasons. It's not without its problems, very obviously. You walk around the city of Portland and there are a number of glaring, very obvious, very visible issues that our, our city faces. But it's it's not the sum of its issues. I, I think it's the sum of all of its parts. Uh, Portland's punk rock. Portland is, you know, 
beards, beer, soccer fans, blazer fans, um, you know, uppity hipsters. It's, it's suburban moms. It's, it's everybody in between. And, and all of those people come together at these sporting events. They come from diverse backgrounds. Um, so celebrate that. Be proud of that and, and continue to lead the way on those issues if, if you're the timbers and thorns because um more than anybody else in in this city in terms of uh public entities they have the most leeway to to push for things like this when you know city politics can be stagnant state politics can be even more stagnant and we know how uh stagnant federal politics can can become <laughs> um it, it's Sports are, are an absolute perfect platform for, for those type of things. And what better city to do it in than Portland? These are people with an appetite for it. For sure. And and, and it's and it's a community uh, who also needs it. So without yeah, question, I, I, I just think uh, I think it's 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 something where their, their voice would be valued and impactful. Definitely. Um, thanks again, Chris, for, for bringing that up. Important uh, discussion point. And we will wrap it there uh, on Soccer Made in Portland. Uh, for Chris Reifer, I'm Ryan Clark. Uh, thanks for joining us, and be sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review with you know details of, of how much you love both Chris and I. Uh, we would greatly appreciate uh, anything and everything you can share with us. If you have uh, constructive criticism for us as well, uh, feel free to reach out to us anywhere uh, privately. You know, I... I you can tweet at me if you want. It's fine. I, I, I've seen enough tweets over the last few weeks, but uh, either way, we appreciate everyone that listens in, and uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs>